and welcome to Podcast with Jordan Haas. I'm your host, Jordan Haas. I don't know why my voice sounds like this today. <laughs> I actually do not. Uh, like, the entire day today, it just sounds a little more airy or helium-based. I don't, I don't know, higher-pitched. Uh, how's it going? How, it's, a, it's a new episode of the podcast, and as you know, uh, we have officially started it. Now it's available here on the RSS feed. It's on Spotify, on iTunes, it's our Apple podcast, and everywhere you might hear it. Uh, it's a short-form podcast. It is updated whenever I feel like it. Uh, it's Sunday, and I figure it's a good time to uh, talk about some stuff because I haven't updated in quite a while. I've been doing a lot of video gaming. Um, also updating about the podcast. Uh, but today I really wanted to talk about nostalgia. That's the topic of today's episode because nostalgia is a hell of a drug, isn't it? Uh, so, uh, essentially, it, it seems that every so often we go into a nostalgia world, and I mean, that's kind of the way we live our modern media life, right? That's, there's a Ghostbusters movie coming out, oh my god, Ghostbusters! Or there is like a, a reboot of The Little Mermaid, people freak out, or Nickelodeon attempts to reboot a game show and it just doesn't work out. Um, and many reasons are for that. One, to retain IP because, hey, there's like these 40-year cycles of intellectual property that you need to retain. And two, because a lot of ideas that have been pitched in Hollywood for the last few decades have basically been rehashes of existing IP. So rather than trying to do, uh, let's just say, an original story uh, that's kind of like uh, a Sherlock Holmes and, and uh, story, what if we made it so it's like a young boy detective? and Or what if it's a robot detective? And, and you would just say, it's Sherlock Holmes, but... Because there's a big old cliche in Hollywood when it comes to pitches where it's like you just put two things together. And apparently that's all you need to know. You know, it's kind of like, uh, what if Roadhouse put on crack or on steroids? Just that, that kind of shit. Um... And well, instead of, you know, making your new Dirty Dancing, we're making Dirty Dancing, but sexy, or something like that. <sighs> that, that that's kind of how it has been, because uh, essentially show business is still a business, and uh, you're throwing millions of dollars on a questionable thing. We don't know if this is going to succeed or not, but because everybody has to do some sort of like safety barrier in these pitches, like, well, this was a hit in the UK. This is a, this is a hit show in Canada. This is a hit show in Australia. Well, you know, uh, since its beginnings, it's gotten over a million views in South Korea, like things like that. Like, oh, it has a million subscribers and do, 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 do. Uh, and then with IP, well, at one point it was the most watched show on Nickelodeon, or it's the most watched thing on Cartoon Network. Things like that happen all the time. Now, we're not going to be talking about any of that, by the way. I, I just want to say why nostalgia is so powerful, and why it's always relevant. Uh, no, today we are be talking about Simply Put, and this is just, it's just classic nostalgia. Now, I could just go on and on about my own childhood and try and uh, trauma dump on everybody instead of a therapist, uh, but instead I'm just going to say, hey, you know, and there were some good times and bad times. There were times when I went to Blockbuster Video and, and rented Sega Genesis games, and, and I got to watch Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles and Nickelodeon and all that good stuff. But, uh... <clears throat> 
The thing I want to bring up on topic of nostalgia is necessarily like, I'm happy that there is two types of nostalgia going on right now. And this is why I wanted to, it's a, pos, it's a positive episode. One, it's that, um, I hate to say midlife crisis, but it's that mid-20s, mid-30s reinvention of nostalgia. And that, by that I mean like, what I'm noticing popping up more and more is uh, things like there's a speakeasy themed like Blockbuster, or there is a, uh, there's like the home video store in, in Portland, Oregon, I just saw. And there are these little places that are trying to like reinv like bring back the, the, the music store where you can buy CDs and vinyl records. That's the kind of nostalgia I think is really cool, is that kind of throwback, but not necessarily too much of a throwback. Because you can do these cl classic video game stores, the mom and pop gaming places. Uh, if we can just talk about that for a quick second here. I, I, I used to love those. Because the mom and pop businesses versus your uh, your softwares, etc., and Babbage's and GameSpots, uh, GameStops, um, they're a little different. Because the people running that store, you feel like you know them a lot more than you do the GameStop person. The GameStop person is obviously has a sales quota and has all this stuff that they're pushing at corporate. And the mom and pop person, they don't care. They they're kind of trying to be your friend here. They're like, hey, have you played this Capcom game once? And hey, I heard you like. So, and the reason I want to go is, is just the quick story here. About uh, 15, 16 years ago, uh, there was this mom and pop place in Simi Valley that was a video game store. I grew up in the Ventura County area. Um, and in Simi, there was this uh, little game store that was like a classic mom and pop, but also classic gaming. Like we're talking, there was PS2 games, PlayStation games, Genesis they had like the classic, the C, the CDI was in the glass container, no one bought it. And the guy running there, I forgot his name. Um, he was like this like classic gaming, like I'm sure he has a YouTube channel now. Uh, but he was like one of the coolest people because he saw I had a Kirby uh, shirt. I had a Kirby shirt as a little, like, like, like in high school, like going into college. And they were like, Oh, that's awesome, Kirby. I just got an imported Japanese Kirby's Adventure, if you want to look at it. Not to not to buy it, just to look at. And it was one of the coolest like things, because he was showing off a bit of his collection. And it was talking about like his wife went vacationing in Japan. And I thought that was really awesome. And while I was in there, I got a copy of, I think, I don't know if it's Blinks, but it was an Xbox game. Because uh, cause everything was moving to 360 uh, at the time. So I was trying to find a Xbox game. I think it was, uh, I'm probably sure it was the Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Uh, whatever, mind. So anyway, so things like that happen. And like those are like the good memories. Um, I've been to Game Dude in Los Angeles multiple times. <clears throat> there was this place in, uh, in Sherman Oaks that looked like a warehouse. And that's where I first saw Pepsi Man. And like, there's a lot of these nostalgia things in my brain when it comes to video games. And a lot of people are reusing that kind of experience to either remake a mom and pop place or to try something cool, like um, make a bar. Like there's a, like a video game bar kind of thing where you can play classic games and drink, which I think is more in tune to modern, I would say classic nostalgia playing Mario Kart 64 as a kid or something. 
And I like that style a little bit more, the reinvention, because a lot of the time the mom and pop game store isn't the kind of mom and pop game store that I think a lot of people would remember, which is the, hey, here's some Mario, here's some Pokemon, here's uh, it's Legend of Zelda, in that little, like, I hate to say, I hate to, like, feel like I'm gatekeeping here, but it feels like a lot of the mom, the new classic game collector webs, like, things opening up aren't trying to do, like, historical preservation, and they're not doing it for the uh, love of classic games and just, we, I just will go to somebody that's important. It feels like they're trying to do the collector's market thing because they saw, like, oh, that copy of Super Mario Brothers is, like, a million bucks, so we can sell this shrink-wrapped Mario now for a thousand dollars. What? No, it's not worth a thousand. Maybe if you're lucky, three hundred. Um, but no. Uh, and it just becomes this, like, frustrating point. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people in the comic book industry know what I'm talking about as well, where it's that you are a comic book store owner, let's just say. You have new shipments every week, obviously, because DC and Marvel and, and independents like to throw new comics your way constantly. You sell them. You buy comics and resell them because, hey, collector markets are always good and fashionable. And the way people are selling the comics, a lot of the time you're really selling it for maybe a dollar or two dollars in, in a resell. And then there are others that think, well, you know what? This, like, Punisher comic from 1997 that doesn't have any, like, first appearances or anything. It's just some random part th three of, a, like, a six-part story. This is going to be worth $20. And you're just confused by it. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. It's, that, it's like a vulture market, I would say, when it comes to that nostalgia. And it's like, I don't know who's making the purchases here. You can't go to eBay and see that working. And that's the thing that's kind of thr thriving me up the wall with nostalgia, because there are people who are like, if they're like, it, there's there's places where you can rent comic books and read them, like classic comic books, and have a like, I think there's a tea shop that does that. That's the kind of thing I enjoy, even though I'm always scared of what if they spill it on the comic because these are rare. Um, but something about that nostalgia resonates with me because it's a reinventing of something. It's something that you're sharing. I think that's it's a sharing of the world without the monetary value, except in something else. Uh, for instance, uh, a few places to do like the retro video store setup. You could buy videotapes there. You can buy regular movies there. But what they are really trying to sell is like maybe merch, like T-shirts, uh, and, and just trying to get the word out of their video store for the purposes of, hey, you know, we're trying to bring this back and this is a cool idea. And it's almost like an art exhibit mixed with a movie store. And I love that. I want to return to that physical thing and that makes sense. There's not a lot of, I, it would just be weird if all of a sudden somebody, because uh, it's not a regular media video. And I think what started a lot of this topic today about the uh, collector market of like, here's a collector's Back to the Future VHS tape. And you're just like, what? They're like $3 at Home Goods or no, I'm sorry, at Goodwill. You're, you're, what? No. And it, it's just to me like, it just feels like one of those cases of there are people who want to preserve that, that kind of feeling in a fun way. It's kind of like the 1950s diner jukebox thing, but for nerds. And I think that's kind of cute. You know what? I, I'm not going to, like, uh, 
you know what? I all those rockabillies out there trying to do the Elvis hair thing with the pink Cadillacs. I see you people live that cool life. Just don't go back to a 1950s household. That that's kind of gross. But yeah, they're just rocking and rolling. I can I could jive with that. And when it comes to nerdy nostalgia over like the 80s with like the home video stores or the case of like a, a mom and pop gaming store. It makes complete sense, and I enjoy it a lot. And then there's the predatory people now who are seeing that and trying to, I, I don't know, try and do like what's equivalent of like NFT minting, try and make something out of nothing in a collector's market that should not exist because it isn't real. <laughs> That's the thing that just annoys me. I think when people see hear video games and they see video games or movies. They want to watch the damn movie. They want to play the damn video game. They don't want to have it in a plastic box and go, yep, this is the NES copy of DuckTales that I paid $250 for, sealed in box. No, you want to fucking play DuckTales because the moon level is fucking good, right? That's the, ah. So, uh, going back into the nostalgia chat, uh, I mean, we can always go into the history of nostalgia. I mean... When it comes to internet, we love to talk about nostalgia. A pop arena has knickknacks, for instance, which I admit I was originally pushed off for because I cover game shows. But pop arena is one of the best uh, YouTube channels that covers media. And I mean that really because media literacy is a dying medium. And this and I think uh, Greg does a great job of researching everything to do with Nickelodeon from its inception to how things got created in a way that makes slime just seem like just one side of a story of a much grander scale. In a way that I think is very appreciative. And I, I like when people try and focus more than just reading a wiki article, which is something I admittedly did when talking about game shows. Even though I've watched a shitload of game shows. Oh god, eventually, like, I, I talk deal or no deal. And guess what? The Fungland's gonna talk deal or no deal. And Hey, I, I would talk double there. They just talked double there in Pop Arena. And let me tell you, there's stuff in that video even I didn't know about double there. And that blew my mind. <clears throat> so we love talking about nostalgia. And a lot of people, the nostalgia is from the 80s or the 90s. And now we're just peeking into the 2000s nostalgia. And it's mostly the live action shows like Lizzie McGuire. We're in that stage of the nostalgia. We're in the People are getting nostalgic for Mean Girls. That's where we at right now. And then we have another kind of nostalgia where you're looking at that 90s show and you're going, why? Is this like Fuller House where we have to have, okay, we have to have a Night Court reboot? Sure thing. Well, that being said, it's John Lorikett's in it, and John Lorikett's very funny, so I'm, he's a really good actor. So I, I am going to definitely watch the Night Court reboot because... For a lot of people, Night Court was a great character actor study, and a lot of people who were in Night Court uh, were actors and groundlings, and that's so, hey, you know, it might influx a whole lot of comedy actors to get back into the thing. But uh, for nostalgia purposes, I, I we love talking about nostalgia, and I've talked about this topic before, and this is this last part I want to get to is quote-unquote modern nostalgia. I talked about this 10 years ago. I talked about this eight years ago. I talked about it last year. I'll talk about it now. My biggest issue currently facing a lot of media is 
we don't have a modern nostalgia. If you are a kid, like we're talking in that peak era, that's six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, you're in elementary school right now. Your nostalgia memory is completely different than what mine is, what someone 20 years younger than me is, what somebody who is 20 years older than me are, because the media consumption that they have is a little bit different than us. So I know that there's almost no chance in hell there's going to be unified nostalgia for something. Something like Kids WB or Fox Kids. Remember Saturday Cartoons? Hey, remember Ren and Stimpy and, and Darkwing Duck? And remember this? And remember Dexter's Lab? Like, you could just go through that. You know what I'm talking about. Kids aren't going to have that kind of reception. Uh, it's, hey, remember the Alvin and the Chipmunks live-action movie? I guess. I, I Remember Despicable Me? If you if you don't know who this minion is, you didn't have a childhood. Uh, it's that's the kind of nostalgia I'm trying to talk about because there is still that tr attempts at children's entertainment, like the Lego movies. But for most children's media consumption, it's scattered. People are like Disney Plus people. People are Paramount Plus, and they're watching uh, Nickelodeon on that. Others are just straight up on Twitch or YouTube, and they're watching Blippi. Or they're watching PewDiePie, which I don't know if that's technically a kids-friendly channel, but uh, we'll say we'll say something like Markiplier. I think Markiplier is about right on the level. Um, Ninja uh, for kids' consumption. Ryan's toy reviews—that that's the kind of stuff that we're seeing when it comes to kids' entertainment. But because media is so scattered and everyone's taste in YouTube is different, and some people don't watch every YouTube channel you do, that nostalgia is not going to happen. That is where I'm pointing at. Uh, the modern nostalgia might be things like Fortnite. And the thing that's keeping Fortnite alive is a lot of modern adult nostalgia. Because I'm seeing Terminator. I'm seeing Ash Williams from The Evil Dead. I'm seeing Chloe Kim the Snowboarder as skins in Fortnite. Maybe kids might know who Chloe Kim is because they read Sports Illustrated or Sports Illustrated for kids. But I, I don't know. I don't know how many people wouldn't recognize Chloe Kim as a snowboarder. But because it's in that Fortnite, it's in a pop culture, like, it's in that that little, like, collection of popular culture-isms. So, so it, it, it's relevant, I guess. Fortnite's a relevant game still. Um, but when it comes to nostalgia, what is going on? And I, I think what we're seeing... Right now, because we're at the cusp of it, and this is another reason I want to talk about this, we're in a YouTube nostalgia circle for about the second series. First time around, I remember things like Renetto and uh, Philip DeFranco uh, having their, like, hey, remember this guy? Remember Philip DeFranco? Hey, remember Ray William Johnson? Hey, remember watching Weezer music videos? <laughs> uh, that's the kind of, like, because that was about 2008. And you got to remember 10 year cycles of nostalgia, actually 15 technically, because we're at 2023. So now we are in the world of people doing jokes about how nostalgia critic can be nostalgic or how angry video game nerd is as old as the games that he reviewed when he's first started. That's the kind of things that blow my mind and also are the kind of things that are like, yeah, no shit. That's what makes it very funny to me is that we are in that level of nostalgia where now we're talking YouTubers as a nostalgia thing. 
And I, you're not, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, there's going to be people who are going to like, you're going to see James Rolfe. Oh, hey, hey, he's the shitload of fuck guy. Yeah. But it's not in a way that is going to be recognized by everybody. It's not everybody saw Homestar Runner, for instance. Sorry, folks. Not everybody has played Undertale and know who Sans is. I know Megalovania is very good. It's a good song, but no, no one, not everyone's played Undertale. Not, not everybody you need to that that's where we're, i'm trying to break the the mold here uh also coincidentally the same could be true about the 80s and 90s not every kid uh watched transformers not everybody watched captain planet other people did different things they they had hot wheels or they uh probably went bowling uh <laughs> What do kids in the late 80s do? Let me know in the comments. Because every single time I hear it, it's just, we went to the video store and played video games, which is, hey, that's what everyone's doing now. It's just, the, everything's virtual. Uh, so when it comes to nostalgia, that is going to be the big question. Is what is going to be considered a modern nostalgia? When we're going to eventually see the 2020s as a decade to look fondly over, it's going to be things like, hey, remember when social media was a dumpster and everything kind of crashed and burned and everything got hyperinflated in an economic level because billionaires want to be ultra, ultra, ultra rich now? That's going to be the case. That's that's the shittiest part about all this. And all we can live off of is just uh, passing the buck from a Kickstarter to a Patreon to a Substack to super followers to super chat rooms. And it's all the same, like five to ten dollars, and and that's not an economy that's really sustainable, and I don't think it's sustainable even for me, uh, speaking. So, in conclusion, here, when it comes to nostalgia, the reason we are nostalgic is because of a time in our past that we fondly remember, that we sometimes just want to go back to. I want to give a shout out to my friend Jack, who uh, gifted me Digimon season one on Blu-ray, because I watched an episode and. Mainly, it's kind of just, it's okay. I, it's not how I remembered it, but it's still a really good-looking, fun Saturday morning cartoon. But that was the kind of thing where it's like, I watched it, and it's like, oh, yeah, I was like, I was 10 when this came out, this episode. Oh, yeah, I was, right after this episode, I went to the Blockbuster, and I rented PlayStation 1 games. Oh, that's right, and then I played Digimon for PlayStation and was so disappointed by it. That's right, and, and it just went from there. That's the kind of nostalgia I can vaguely remember. But when it comes to like modern day, everything is too fast paced. Everything is too in your face and your memory is kind of relapsing in a way that you don't remember what you watched about a week ago, let alone a month ago. So I, I think there's going to be a big issue when it comes to nostalgia. Yes, you're going to hear all the news events like, hey, remember the insurrection? And hey, remember the war in Ukraine? Hey, remember? And, you know, all the sad stuff. But what's going to be the things people are going to think positively about that's going to be unified in air quotes? What's a unified nostalgic memory of good? Hey, remember when everyone saw Avatar The Way of Water? Hey, remember when uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie and, and Mushroom Kingdom, here we come! Like, like no? I thought everybody had a Nintendo Switch. Remember when the Joker got pregnant? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. We're BTS. I guess that's going to be it. Remember, remember everyone loved K-pop? That, that, that stuff's not going anywhere. <laughs> that, it's a genre of music. Um, but yeah, that, that's 
where we're at right now with nostalgia is we love to think about the stuff when we were a kid, but we sometimes forget that there are kids out there right now who are, I guess, stuck watching whatever. And the one thing I really get, I'm getting annoyed by right now is a bunch, I hate to say this because I, I mean, I feel like I'm sometimes that person. That dad who's like the Little League dad, you have to play baseball because I played baseball. That kind of kid, like you have to, you have to enjoy uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple because I was a 90s Nick kid and you have to like this too. You have to watch DuckTales. I love DuckTales. When kids should probably find their own thing that they like. And that's going to be tough because hardly anything is meant for them anymore. That's the sad truth. Everything is a corporate product placement for a new toy. And yes, I'm very aware that most cartoons were meant to be sales pitches for toys. No, we're talking like, now thanks to our sponsor at Hasbro, I'm selling you a toy to your face. Not, hey kids, Optimus Prime is a toy, so buy the toy. No, no, two separate things. One is like a show. You don't even have to buy the toy. The other is literally trying to sell you a fucking toy. That kind of thing. Um... Also, probably I would assume I'm really bad mental health on a lot of kids, too. If they go, if they want to be YouTubers, because I'm hearing that, too. Everyone wants to be a content creator, and I understand exactly why. It seems like a fun job. You get to eat food and play video games and be crazy. But the, the truth is, it seems like everyone is wants to be a content creator. It's kind of in the same position as me. It's a low number. You're just speaking to avoid and hope. One day, all you hit the jackpot. Uh, anyway, it's not gonna be me, but hey, I'm still gonna be ranting this microphone. I don't give a shit. Okay, so finally, uh, we're talking nostalgia. I I talked Fortnite as the cultural milestone. I think that might vaguely be it. I think Pokemon Unite could still be it, but there's still nothing that's meant for kids that was created in this generation, technically for kids. Dude Perfect is not a kid's channel, by the way. It's a trick shot channel. But they have a deal with Nerf. It's Nerf or nothing. It's Mr. Beast, because that's also similar. Five Nights at Freddy's? Well, that's a horror game. Technically, if this was an ESRB ring, it'd be T for Teen. Uh, so it, it it's going to be a weird spot we're in. So maybe, just maybe, nostalgia that people will have of things from the 2000s might be the last of nostalgia. And that's my final topping point. I know I'm ranting for too long here, but I just want to end it. When it comes down to it, right around the time when YouTube got developed and the things people watch on YouTube, that's the last of nostalgia because everybody's taste will have changed by then. People will have different things that they've watched and you're supposed to figure out what the hell uh, Umizumi was. Otherwise, you're not fitting in. And no, you won't. No... No one watched Caillou. Sorry, I didn't watch Caillou. I don't know who the hell Caillou is. It looks like Aang. It's a bald kid. It's a bald bitch. <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, hey, play the games you like. That's all I'm trying to say. Go get some retro games if you can. Just watch out for those weird people who are playing 17 times the value of what is really the value. And hey, you know, I'm just gonna just tap on the microphone here. No one said you can't just download a ROM and play it on your computer. All right, that'll be it for tonight. I'll see you soon for another episode. This is Jordan Haas, signing off.